0: Welcome to High Unhealthy, energized by A6 Wellness. Each week, you will learn of the benefits of proper nutrition, supplementation, and personal development to live a healthy and abundant life. Now, here's your personal advocate for living a healthy and active lifestyle, Audrey Kerger. Hello,
1: and welcome to High Unhealthy. It's me, Audrey. Today we are going to talk Marijuana Policy in the United States. And I am so excited to have Mr. Rob Campia, Marijuana Policy Project Executive Director with us. But first up, let's discuss the article I was reading this week on NewYorkTimes.com, Repeal Prohibition Again. Let's start here. Our current medical approved states are Arkansas, Arizona... Florida, Louisiana, North Dakota, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. And legalized states are Alaska, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, and Washington, D.C. Now, there has been a lot of changes since our November 2016 election. And it took 13 years for the United States to come to its senses and end prohibition, originally with the drinking laws. In those 13 years, which people kept drinking, otherwise law-abiding citizens became criminals and crime syndicates arose and flourished. Now, it has been more than 40 years since Congress passed the current ban on marijuana, inflicting great harm on society just to prohibit a substance Far less dangerous than alcohol. Do you believe the federal government should repeal its ban on marijuana? There are no perfect answers to people's legitimate concerns about marijuana use, but neither are there such answers about tobacco or alcohol, and we believe that on every level, health effects, the impact on society, and law and order issues, the balance falls squarely on the side of national legalization. That will put decisions on whether to allow recreational or medicinal production and use where it belongs at the state level. We considered whether it would be best for Washington to hold back while the states continued experimenting with legalizing, but that would leave their citizens vulnerable to the whims of whoever happens to be in the White House and chooses to enforce or not enforce the federal law. Creating systems for regulating, manufacture, sale, and marketing will be complex, but those problems are solvable and would have been long dealt with had we as a nation not clung to the decision to make marijuana production and use a federal crime. Now, we have to take a break, but when we come back, I am so excited to have Marijuana Policy Project's Executive Director, Mr. Rob Campia, with us. More when High Unhealthy returns in a minute.
0: Awaken, adjust, and aspire to hear more High Unhealthy after this short rest break. Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio, the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends, identify and compare your top products and categories, and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's EQUIO.io to sign up now. The power of real time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild.
2: The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA Seed to Sale Show. The largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannivation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at seedtosaleshow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st, seedto saleshow.com or 888 409 4418.
0: the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, channel. You know. Money don't make itself. Hempink. Hemp Inc. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Let's get back to getting high on healthy, energized by A6 Wellness, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Thank you for joining me today on High on Healthy, Energized by A6 Wellness. I'm your hostess, Audrey Kerger, and my guest today is Mr. Rob Campia, the Executive Director at Marijuana Policy Project, which is the largest 501c4 nonprofit organization in the U.S., That is solely dedicated to ending cannabis prohibition. Rob co-founded MPP in 1995, which has a lobbying branch, an educational branch, and a political action committee and is based in Washington, D.C., MPP employs 27 full-time staffers, as well as consultants to pass statewide ballot initiatives and lobbyists to pass legislation throughout state legislatures. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rob. I'd like to jump right in and ask, can you tell me a little bit about yourself prior to the project that you are working with now, and how did you become involved in marijuana policy reform?
3: Well, I wasn't political at all when I was younger. Um, But, you know, like most people do, I started using marijuana and then I realized it'd be cheaper if I would grow it rather than buying it. And then next thing you know, I'm arrested and put in in jail. So I spent three months in a county jail in the middle of Pennsylvania, outside of Penn State, where I was a student. And uh, after I got out of jail three months later, I got politically active.
1: So, you just mentioned that you uh, were going to Penn State. So, I heard a rumor that you actually became president of Penn State after you uh, were released. And uh, can you tell me some of the things that you initiated at that school for bettering the community?
3: Uh, Yeah, mine is a strange story. I was a valedictorian of my high school class, and then straight A's in physics at Penn State with a full scholarship. And then Somehow I was in jail, lost all my scholarships, had to kind of start over, had to beg to get back, in, back into Penn State, and then uh, ultimately noticed that the university administration and the student government were both not interested in working on the marijuana issue. And then I was drafted uh, to be the uh, progressive candidate, and I wasn't supposed to win because you're not supposed to win if you have three felonies and long hair uh, when you're running uh, for president of a moderate school, but I won. Um, because we had a great campaign team and a simple message. So what we did is we uh, had one, marijuana as one of the six things we campaigned on. So it was lowering the penalties for marijuana on campus. And then um, there were two women's issues. One was uh, instituting a mandatory uh, sexual assault awareness program for all incoming freshmen, getting a gynecologist in the, um, the health center, which didn't, they didn't have one at the time. Uh, one of the most popular items was uh, reinstating the recycling program, and then there was some budget stuff, some bike paths. So there were six total, marijuana was one. And in just one year, uh, our administration actually achieved five out of the six, which is you know, shocking, and marijuana was one of those. So when I was a student there, um, as I was leaving, which was 1993, Penn State actually uh, reduced the penalties for students who got caught with marijuana on campus. And then I moved to Washington, D.C. three days after graduating and started working at the national level.
1: So what gave you the idea to create the Marijuana Policy Project?
3: You know, after living in D.C. for a year and a half and I had the pleasure of working at the National Office of Normal, which was the premier marijuana organization in the country. I learned a lot in that year and a half, and one of them was that the the halls of Congress were not crowded with pro-marijuana lobbyists or anti. There was this myth that the pharmaceutical and alcohol and tobacco industries were lobbying to keep marijuana illegal, but that was the opposite of true. No one was lobbying on anything, and so we started MPP in 1995, for uh, the purpose of lobbying Congress uh, full-time on the marijuana issue. That was so slow-going that we had to pivot after just about a year and uh, work on state-level stuff where you can actually achieve uh, more change
1: quickly. Wow. So you have uh, accomplished a lot. So tell me, when you were having these ideas and watching this unfold, Who did you partner with to help you create your thought into reality? And why did you choose them?
3: Three uh, principal partners at the beginning uh, were Chuck Thomas, who was, I don't want to say right-hand man, but really a a co-equal partner at at Penn State. So we went to school together. I got elected, but he was kind of the the brains behind the operation because he actually understood politics more than I. Um, So he moved to D.C. and he helped co-found MPP. We also had a a silent partner um, named Mike Kirshner, and he he handled anything involving computer hardware and software and Internet stuff. So He just kind of did all the technology stuff. And then uh, then the fourth person is Eric Sterling, and he is uh, most known for being the attorney uh, who worked for the U.S. uh, House Judiciary Committee from 1979 to 1989, which means he actually helped write the worst uh, drug laws in our nation's history. And it's not because he wanted to write bad laws. He was a staffer who was forced to write bad laws and he tried to make them secretly as good as possible. Then after that, he quit and worked on drug legalization from the nonprofit sector. And so since he knew the inside and the outside, we had him on our initial board of directors. So those are the four initial uh, founders of MPP.
1: You had a great team. So while your team was preparing this idea can you tell me what the hardest things that you had encountered during your push to create this project were i
3: would say there was two principal opponents that were sort of more on the present than what should have been the biggest problem biggest problem should have been government officials telling us to um, buzz off Um, but really the two problems were there was enormous amount of infighting and so um uh, every day there was someone who was um calling or eventually emailing and just trying to interfere with our operation. They had better ideas, different ideas, grudges. And uh, so we actually, there's so much infighting back in those days that we actually had to sort of say, we're going to appoint one of the three of us to be in charge of infighting so that the other two guys actually don't have to deal with it. And so I volunteered for the uh, part-time infighting position where I would just fight with allies uh, approximately 40% of the time. Um, and so that kind of put it in a box and eventually it was reduced. Um, I know that sounds weird, but you've got to deal with it somehow. Um, the other challenge was money. Um, we didn't have any investment money up front and all three of us were just out of college and we were really poor. Uh, and so we didn't have any funders. And so we actually started MPP on my credit card. And so charging rent, uh, photocopies, etc., on my credit card, and we didn't actually have salaries. And so We made an agreement amongst ourselves that we would do this for two years for free. And if after two years, the country didn't see the value in paying the three of us to work on this, then that means that we were barking up the wrong tree and we should quit. And the good news is that after 14 months, I got paid. And after um, 18 months total, Chuck got paid and 24 months, Mike got paid. So we barely made our own deadline. And finally, we were an organization with three salaries and a phone.
1: Way to go, guys. So who do you feel are your biggest adversaries?
3: Uh, well, currently, um, I'd say the biggest adversary hasn't really changed in many, many years, if not uh, ever. Uh, it's the law enforcement. So you when you go state to state, it takes different forms. In Minnesota, when we were lobbying the state legislature for medical marijuana, uh, it was... Uh, we kind of got double-teamed. It was the county prosecutors who organized. They were kind of split on the issue, but unfortunately the top guy was really bad, and so they organized against us. And then um, worse yet, they actually had police uh, on the clock who would show up at committee hearings with guns and uniforms and badges, and they would just sit in the rows, dozens of them, and make it so that the patients couldn't even get a seat, and it was kind of wheelchair gridlock intimidation of guns uh, we didn't appreciate so we went after them in a big way and we released a series of videos that we called law enforcement lie of the day and then we uh, stated the the lie who said it when and then the rebuttal and we released this video every day in Minnesota to the state legislators and the reporters uh, and the cops themselves so they could see that we were calling them liars every day um, that's an example of bad behavior by law enforcement that the taxpayers are paying for. So if you take that Minnesota image and then you just take that to Congress and you take that to other state legislatures, and that is the image of the enemy generally, is law enforcement who um, have learned the wrong lessons about uh, how, to, you know, how to deal with public safety. Now, not all cops are bad. It's just that most of them are bad. And so um, if that's a difficulty that we have with state bills and ballot initiatives and even in Congress, uh, members of Congress will listen to law enforcement. Before they'll, they might listen to a nurse who wants to talk about, you know, medical marijuana.
1: Well, that sounds like you guys had a really great way of coming up against those uh, law enforcement for sure. And now we do need to take a short break. But when we come back, we are going to continue our discussion with Marijuana Policy Project's executive director, Mr. Rob Campbell. Awaken,
0: adjust, and aspire to hear more high on healthy after this short rest break.
4: Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download.
0: Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing.
4: Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with Uniform Genetic Profiles sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle it is through innovative processes that sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers healthy plants healthy people sansalcbd.com improve your lifestyle naturally Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's Premium CBD Essentials and CBD Nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients, grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water infused with CBD oil is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 First Responder and Stage 4 Cancer Survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.canosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R brands.com.
2: Maui, Wowie. Acapulco Gold California Kush Our strains stretch everywhere too This is the Cannabis Radio Network
0: Let's get back to getting high on healthy, energized by A6 Wellness. Only on Cannabis Thank Radio. Join me today on High
1: Unhealthy, Energized by A6 Wellness. I'm your hostess Audrey Kirger, and my guest today is Mr. Rob Campia, the Executive Director at Marijuana Policy Project, which is the largest. 501c4 nonprofit organization in the United States that is solely dedicated to ending cannabis prohibition. We were just chatting about the biggest adversaries for this project and now I'd like to ask Rob, who are your biggest supporters and how are they helping you spread the word of the benefits of cannabis and how much support do you get from the legal marijuana industry?
3: So that's a good question. Uh, When you look at the biggest supporters, um, you can look at it through different lenses. So um, who are the best spokespersons? It would be uh, law enforcement on our side, so that would be Law Enforcement Against Prohibition is an organization um, that uh, speaks to that, and they're wonderful. And then you have other spokespersons that are good uh, on camera, uh, doctors, nurses. Sometimes a member of the clergy is uh, willing to get on camera, and they're uh, wonderful spokespersons because uh, even if you, you're you not religious, if you see a Catholic priest on TV saying that marijuana should be legal, you're going to pay attention, because that's a man-bites-dog kind of story. Uh, so those are all really good spokespersons. And of course, uh, patients, someone who's a seriously ill patient or a family member of a patient. Um, those people have real credibility, especially veterans. Um, so in terms of spokespersons, there you have it. Um, but we also put a heavy emphasis on philanthropists and anyone who can write a big check, because right now we have majority support uh, for legalization. We've always had majority support for medical marijuana. And so if you already have the public uh, mostly or even overwhelmingly on your side, then it's just a matter of money to convert that support into policy change. So then you just pay people to collect signatures, to put something on the ballot, or you pay lobbyists to convert that uh, public opinion to the ears of the legislators. And so I put a lot of personal emphasis on fundraising because money solves almost all problems and that's especially true in politics. And so um, we have to really make sure that we always focus on and and thank uh, the big donors. And to your question about the cannabis industry, uh, those uh, that fraction of the pie used to be zero percent. And then it went up a couple years ago to 10%. Now, I don't know. I'm going to do the math later, but I think we're probably getting funded about one third from the industry and two thirds from philanthropists. And when I say philanthropists, I'm talking about even a college student who gives $25 just for the cause.
1: How many states have you personally helped change the laws in as of December 2016?
3: So it's a team effort. So since I co-founded MPP, I've been a part of uh, half of the medical marijuana laws that have changed. So it's about half of 28, give or take. And then uh, for legalization, it's been five out of eight. So the big breakthrough, we had a couple of big breakthroughs. One was Hawaii was the first state to legalize medical marijuana through a state legislature as opposed to an initiative, and that was in 2000. And we worked hand-in-hand with um, the activists in Hawaii, and that was the first big win for MTP, and it was also the first time that a state legislature had done such a thing. Uh, That's an example of medical marijuana Bills, And then you have medical marijuana initiatives, which we passed in Arizona and uh, Montana and Michigan. Um, And then you have, uh, most recently, passed uh, bills in Pennsylvania, where we did about half of that work. Ohio, where we did way more than half of that work. Uh, Those were huge, huge uh, victories. Uh, And then, of course, legalization. Um, We did Colorado, and that's the one that's... uh, The most significant, Colorado in 2012, Alaska in 2014, and then three states uh, just a couple weeks ago. So we were running or co-running the initiatives for legalization in Maine, Massachusetts, and in Nevada. So we won three, and unfortunately, we barely lost in Arizona. We helped in California, but we did not run that campaign.
1: Can you tell me how the country is different from when MPP was started And when it's come to the marijuana issues, like what do you see different in our country now?
3: So when we uh, founded uh, MPP in 1995, uh, medical marijuana was not legal in any state. And there had not been a medical marijuana bill in Congress in a decade. So there was basically just nothing. Um, And then uh, since then, well, and also I should point out that in, January of 1995, which is the month that MPP was founded, that also was the month that Newt Gingrich's Republican revolution had just taken office. And so that all happened the same month. Um, so that was not, it was not intentional. It was just kind of a coincidence that those were dark days, no good laws and a whole bunch of bad people just got elected. And then, uh, now compare that to now, you have 57% support for legalization nationwide Medical marijuana is, of course, always popular. It's sometimes more popular than public parks and apple pie. And then you have uh, the politicians where we have a majority now in Congress who believe in states' rights for medical marijuana, and we almost won uh, states' rights for legalization. Uh, we were nine votes short on the House floor two years ago. And that doesn't get a lot of attention, but just imagine that. That actually happened. A Republican House in Washington, D.C., almost voted to pass an amendment to forbid the justice department and the DEA from interfering with state legalization and medical marijuana laws. It's a huge amount of progress in 22 years. And of course, all these state laws have changed in the meantime. So it's like night and day. And uh, I suspect that we're going to change a few more laws each year. And I suspect that none of these good laws on the state level will be repealed anywhere.
1: That is amazing what you have accomplished in the years that you've been fighting for this. So what are your plans coming up for 2017, and what do you hope to accomplish?
3: So it's probably easiest to think of it in terms of bills versus ballot initiatives and medical marijuana versus legalization. So it's kind of four quadrants on the state level. So with um, with legalization bills, um, the state that's probably the most likely to legalized through the state uh, legislature um, is Rhode Island. So that would be the first time that any state will do that if Rhode Island does it. And there's some other states that are flirting with legalization bills. Uh, Vermont is serious. They're not just flirting. They're seriously um, dating uh, the idea. And uh, um, and then there's some other states that are very serious about passing legalization in their state capitals, such as uh, Maryland, Maryland. Um, Delaware, there's some really high-level people in Delaware, um, and uh, <clears throat> a few more states that uh, will come along later. Illinois is starting to get a little serious. Uh, New Hampshire will come in a couple years and so forth. So there's a gaggle of states, probably around eight, that are looking good, and uh, I should also mention New Jersey. Medical marijuana bills, you have uh, a few states that are suddenly looking really good. So uh, South Carolina is looking good. Um, you have Nebraska that almost passed, but now it looks like they're kind of just struggling with it. Utah looks surprising. They're still struggling. I'd say the two that are most likely would be South Carolina and Louisiana on on that, plus uh, Texas. Texas is a state that passed an um, ineffective medical marijuana law, and it looks like there's real momentum to pass a real uh, medical marijuana law. And then you have initiatives way too soon to list the state's we're all still talking. It looks like uh, people are excited about legalization in, in Michigan for 2018. People are excited about medical marijuana in places like Utah, but none of this is confirmed. I would say that in Missouri, that's the state that's most likely to legalize medical marijuana through an initiative because the public, you know, the polling is so high. I think they just have to put it on the ballot and, and uh, put some patients up front, and I think Missouri looks good. So there's going to be a lot of progress in the next two-year cycle.
1: That's fabulous. So what's your prediction for marijuana policy under Trump, and will this change MPP's strategy?
3: You know, interestingly, when um, we launched a multi-state legalization strategy right after we won in Colorado, so that was in November, December of 2012, our plan was to win in a bunch more states on legalization, and then that was going to cause uh, Congress to have to deal with the issue in 2017. And here we are. All the states that we wanted to pass uh, did pass, except for Arizona, unfortunately. We'll try again later. Um, And uh, California is one-eighth of the country, so um, Congress is now needing to pay attention. And so our strategy is actually exactly the same, which is you have to um, lobby in a serious way to pass uh, marijuana-related amendments on the appropriations bills, so you still have to try to forbid the Justice Department from wasting taxpayer money. You still have to try to protect veterans. You still have to try to fix the banking problem, and all these can be done through annual spending bills. So all that's the same strategy, regardless of who's in Congress and who's in the White House. Um, And then, of course, we had to deal with the new Justice Department and new Attorney General regardless, and so it just happens to be that the appointee is way worse than what we could have hoped for. Um, So now we have a potentially horrible Attorney General when we were kind of hoping it was going to be like a mediocre one. But I think my main message to people who are concerned about the status of marijuana under federal law is that the president has not that much power over marijuana. The president has a lot of unilateral power when it comes to treaties and foreign policy and um, ambassadors and pushing the nuclear button, anything involving foreign policy is the president's domain as far as domestic drug policy you should be looking at uh, Congress and not who's in the White House and so that's where there's hope not that the Democrats are always good but the Democrats happen to be better on marijuana in general and so the Democrats picked up seats in the Senate and in the House and that doesn't get a lot of attention so the Congress is either the same or a little bit better you know next year than it was this year so we have reason to be hopeful
1: Awesome. Well, that sounds great. So can you tell me what the average American can do to help support your project and your mission?
3: I think the quickest way to get involved is to go to mpp.org or policy.org, get to the website, and sign up for email alerts. And you'll see you'll get two kinds. One are national and one are specific to your state. So you get a couple of months, and it'll tell you what bills are interesting, and um, what's happening with the government in your region. Um, so I'd say that is the key, because once you see what we're doing with lobbying and ballot initiatives through email, then you can start making choices about what, whether you want to get involved uh, on a deeper level. And how people get involved um, with NVP depends on the state. Uh, it depends on whether there's bills or not, and initiatives or not, and so forth. So you can figure that out later after you subscribe. So it's npp.org.
1: Thank you for that info, Rob. Now we have to wrap it up. To continue this discussion, visit asicswellness.com. Download episodes by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can also follow the show on social media by searching a6 Wellness. And we cannot forget to give a tremendous thank you to our guest today, Mr. Rob Campia, Marijuana Policy Project Director. It was wonderful chatting with you and learning so much. I hope that we can have you on again sometime very soon. And lastly, thank you to my producer, George, for another great show. Until then, awaken, adjust, aspire, affirm, action, A6 Wellness.